BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. All right, all right. What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. Woo! We are back at it, winding down the end of the week. Another dreary d- Detroit day here behind me. I hope everybody's got a little bit more sunshine than we do. It's also very cold. I'm now wearing a light jacket in the morning. But what's going on, guys? Market is ripping again. We are back to where we were before that Monday sell-off. You buy the dippers out there. All of you buy the dippers. I was not one. Congratulations to you. Round of applause. Pat yourself on the back. You won again. Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead. Let's just look at this, this chart of SPY really quick for a second. And we're going to zoom it out to a year, and then we'll go to five years. Uh, here's the one-year chart of SPY. Buy the dip. Tried and true. Uh, here's a two-year chart of spy by the dip, tried and true, five years. All right, I guess that the buy the dippers just always seem to win this one. Uh, but what's going on, guys? This is the Power Hour. This is the Trade Idea Show. That's why we spend this time together every single day. So if we are not delivering on ideas, call us out. You are empowered to do that in the chat. We're, we're, we're going to get rocking and rolling. Uh, first up, we're bringing in Daniel from Curzio Research. Good, good, good friend of Frank over there. Uh, and Daniel's going to be dropping some ideas on us. He's going to be talking about the China situation a little bit, I believe. Uh, and then we, we have three public company CEO interviews today. Jam-packed, guys, okay? Three public company CEO interviews. Uh, a lot of them may be stocks that you're not familiar with. I'll give you the tickers. They are S-T-A-B, N-G-T-F, and S-O-V-O. Uh, so, so again, S T A B N G T F S O V O. Uh, but without further ado, guys, uh, let's go ahead and bring Daniel from Curzio Research in there. And when you, if you have tickers, drop them in the chat. Uh, I see, etc. ETC is already going. He's got his affirm on there. He's got his hymns on there. Um, and and yeah, let's get these in here. Solar ops. We're talking about the cannabis stocks. I am not in any of the cannabis stocks now, but 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 maybe I ought to be. But let's ask Daniel. Daniel, are you in any of the cannabis names by chance? 
I'm not right now, no, but uh, they've been coming across the headlines a lot. And first of all, thanks, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, but if I were to look at something, in full disclosure, I don't have it, and I've been kicking myself, but IIPR, uh, if you want to pull that up, they're a, basically a roll-up company that does uh, medical marijuana and the facilities that they're going to use to produce and grow and distribute. And that chart has been absolutely beautiful from an investor yeah, standpoint. It's a five-year chart, and here's a one-year Yep. And uh, those guys, uh, I believe it's Wall Street guys that just got together and man, they've, they've just been knocking it out of the park. So that's the one that I would look at first, other than the big names, Tilray and those, et cetera. But man, a, a friend of mine gave me that under a hundred and I just kept thinking, all right, I'll wait and wait and wait. And uh, it's, that's frustrating, but that's investing. That's okay. All right. And, and, and Daniel, but before we hop into it, uh, g- give me a little bit of your background. T- tell, tell us about your trading investing career. Um, and, and then let's dive into some topics. Absolutely. So I joined uh, Frank Curzio here at Curzio Research. Uh, coming up on four years, it'll be four years this October next month. And my background before that was I started in the brokerage business as a financial advisor, uh, had Series 7 and 66, then didn't enjoy that. I like the research side, but not the front office standpoint. Uh, I'm a big believer in savings and investing. And on the savings side, I'm big into whole life uh, insurance as a, as a wealth management tool. I know that raises a lot of red flags and always gets good conversations started, but uh, that's for another time. I can argue that until I'm blue in the face. And uh, then when I was listening to Frank's podcast and following him through his career, and when he said that he was starting his own shop and wanted an analyst, I threw my hat in the ring and here we are going on four years. All right, there we go. Uh, and, and give it, give us the short insurance pitch, will you? The short insurance pitch is if you're disciplined enough to save, if you compare a whole life insurance policy to a bank account, there's no other product out there that is quote unquote as safe and reliable. And it gives you the opportunity to earn interest as you use your money. And there's a big difference between the interest you earn and the interest you pay with the flexibility on that. It's a fantastic wealth building opportunity over the long term. It's not a trading deal. Uh, if If you're old right now, and I don't mean to be rude about that, Uh, that's what, you know, everybody thinks they're too old for everything these days. But, uh, if you're anywhere under, I'd say 50, you ought to really give it a look. And most policies are set up, um, in favor of the insurance company, meaning higher commissions, and you can split those premiums up and, uh, infinite banking process. If you Google that, you'll, you'll see a lot of good stuff. Uh, infinite banking by, uh, Nelson Nash, I believe off the top of my head is a great book to dig into. All right. There we go. And if anybody has questions about the insurance side, drop them in the chat and, and, and I'll, I'll pass it along to Daniel. But but all right, let, 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 let's get back to the stock side. What What's on your radar right now? What are you thinking about? We, you, you gave us a, a cannabis name to look at already, but but what else? Yeah. And that was driven by, uh, you know, if, if you, you guys are all market junkies. So as you're looking at headlines and everything, uh, the biggest lesson that I'm learning and, full, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball or anything, but you got to be able to decipher what's news to act on and what to ignore. And when you just, when you're market junkies and you see a lot of things coming across your desk or your eyes, uh, in my opinion, headlines around pot stocks kind of went away and now they're coming back. And I say they're coming back over the last month, at least in my opinion. So, uh, and that's driven politically. Uh, There's a lot of headlines about, um, there's a group of, uh, I think there's a bill in the House or the Senate, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm on the fence there, about protecting banks that do business with uh, pot stocks because that's a big, red flag right now because you still have this illegalness at a certain level. I mean, it's kind of scary to think about, hey, the feds can basically go in and shut anything down, but we're not going to. So we're in this process of, hey, this is a law, but we're going to ignore that. Uh, We see a lot of that with politicians on both sides of the aisle, so that's not anything new. But that's 
you know, I look through the world from a political and economic lens. Uh, I think everybody should do that because it literally affects everything in our lives in reality as consumers and individuals. Okay. All right. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll draw, I'll throw mine in, in the ring too. I'm going to throw in the, the one that everybody thinks about, but Tilray, uh, Erwin Simon, CEO of Tilray, founder of Hain Celestial, good friend of Benzinga. Um, I, I, he, he's, I followed his career for quite a while and he's just such an incredible operator. Um, and, and so if I had to pick one, I'm, I'm picking the track record of, of, of his on the management side. And that's where Tilray would be my play into that. And that's great because you want to focus on individuals. I mean, when you when you don't have an investment that you can control, so it's not close to the vest, you want to invest in management teams. Um, Frank talks a lot about that with, especially in the resource sector. You want proven management teams. You want skin in the game. So if that gentleman and you know him like that, that that's a that's a check mark on the on the good side for the T chart. Uh, absolutely. All right. What, what what else is on your mind, Daniel, outside of cannabis? Yeah, we'll go from uh, boring to exciting. So okay. low-hanging fruit. Uh, Intel has dropped the ball for a number of years. They've let, and, you know, their lunch has been eaten by their competitors. Uh, they have a new CEO, and I'm going to yeah. butcher this, but Pat Genslinger, and he just took over in February of this year. And I think that this is a situation where you can buy it and forget about it. I have a little bit of it, full disclosure. You earn a decent yield, and I think that as – there's more volatility in the markets. And if you see this transition from growth to value, like everybody's warning about or volatility, you're going to go into hard brand names, solid brand names with good balance sheets. And they basically just have to quit screwing up all the time, in my opinion, to get a higher price. Uh, the new CEO has got big ambitions. That's what I like to see. They're going to invest a lot in uh, fab centers, uh, semiconductor buildings over the next several years. And that's a huge secular bull market that's not going away anytime soon. So Intel, that's not exciting, but I do think that that's the lowest hanging fruit out there on a, on one of the big caps. Yeah, and looking at some of the multiples really quick, I mean, it seems like a pretty cheap stock. So so we're looking at a forward P.E. ratio of 12. Um, I, I don't have the S&P 500 handy, average handy off the top of my head right now, but it's at least in the 20s. Uh, and then a price to sales of 2.8 versus that one. I know S&P average is, is a little bit over four. So, so it definitely seems like a relatively cheap stock. Yeah, and you can argue. I mean, the the lower PE uh, forward PE against its peers is is warranted right now because again, they've been dropping the ball so many times. So this new CEO starts to get some momentum, starts to prove that they can show results. I think that you can see that PE rise faster than the actual results in reality. Because remember, markets are always forward looking, and that's exciting. That can be good or bad. But again, you get a few uh, you get a few check marks on this guy's side, and I think it could just take off and easily be you know twenty twenty five percent, and then kind of find that new normal and hang out there for a while. And again, you get paid to wait. And are you really worried about Intel going bankrupt? I'm not, but you know that's a good that's a good hiding spot, and I don't think it's going to be dead money going forward. Yeah, and check this out, guys. I I, ju I just loaded up an income statement really quickly. Uh, you know the, this this top number that we have here that I'm trying to highlight. Uh, the, the, this is quarterly revenue. And I mean, we're looking at like five quarters in a row with, with, with literally no growth. Um, you know, we, we zoom it out to annual revenue and we're, we're getting a little bit of growth there. Um, but, but not, not crazy exciting. I think that's what Daniel's referring to. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right. What, what else? You said you're gonna start boring and take us up. That's boring. So, uh, upstart UPST is the okay. ticker. And a quick, uh, are you familiar with this company at all? I, I am. Jonah Lupton, who's, who's also a good friend of Benzinga, is, is very, very hot on this stock. 
Wonderful. He's talked about um, it a couple times to us. It's been absolutely on. going crazy lately. And quick uh, rabbit trail here. Um, you guys need to be going through 13F filings. Uh, there's free websites out there, and that's just great. Use the power of the internet. We've never lived in a better time where guys like me, I'm 35, can take advantage of. I mean, the amount of resource we have or the amount of information we have for free right now over the internet is just a huge step forward. And it's just blind, dumb luck that we get to live in this period. None of us picked when we got to be born. You, if, in order to get some of this information at all, you'd have to go to libraries, different things. So take advantage of those 13Fs. I was going through those. Uh, Dan Loeb of Third Point, somebody I really respect oh, yeah. and you know, like to listen to anything he writes or says and read anything he writes. So I just saw this in a filing and I just went through ticker symbols. Um, they're in a major growth platform where the banking and financial services are using a lot of AI. They have been for some time, but it's getting a lot of capital to flow into that space right now. So they do personal loans, consumer loans, and they basically go in and show banks, hey, we can show you how to make more loans with a better risk tolerance and a lower default rate. And why wouldn't you pursue that or look into that if you're a bank? And that's a scalable business with all the loans and trillions of dollars out there. And as you can tell, I would wait for a pullback. This is definitely a momentum stock. Uh, we were just talking about uh, PEs with uh, Intel. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but it's got to be through the roof on this one. All right. And and, and I want to throw this one out to the chat, too. Uh, is anybody in the stock or did anybody get into the stock from the show? Because when we first talked about it, it was in the 70s somewhere. I, this is the first time I've looked at it in a while, seeing 340. I, I clearly missed the boat. Uh, but But I'm curious if anybody out there caught the rip in this one. And so, so Daniel, I, I, I like what you're picking up on that, that you want to wait for, for some of that pullback and, and, you know, let's let the momentum come, come to a close. Um, but the model, like you're saying is so good. It's so recurring too, right? Cause, yeah. cause once a bank becomes dependent on upstart for, for lending and, and, and being like a, a core part of that engine as, as to how they're pricing and deciding who to lend to, I would imagine that that's impossible, damn near impossible for these banks to rip out of their operations. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a sticky product and it's scalable. So as an investor, that's a great thing to have. So you know, be be prepared for volatility. Um, I <laughs> quick story here. I told my dad about this around ninety five dollars a share. Okay. And I said I was buying it, and I didn't, and he did, and I wasn't lying to him. And it went to like fifty or whatever. And now look at it where it is. He didn't sell it, so he's very happy. But uh, of course, I was kicking myself. I think I bought a gold stock or whatever, which I'm still down on. Uh, but I said, hey, you need to buy this. I should buy this, but I'm going over here. And he did. So that's good. <laughs> All right, guys. And, and check out the quarterly revenue on this one. We're looking at four quarters of data right here on Upstart. Uh, again, sticker UPST. We went from $51 million of sales to $194 million of sales in four quarters. That's, I don't I mean, know if what there's any other public that? company that operates at this scale that, that that's had that kind of growth. I mean, that, that's, that would be, if somebody out there wants to go run a quick stock screen, set, set maybe market cap threshold somewhere, uh, or, or maybe set a revenue threshold at, at like $50, $100 million, and see if any other company has had this kind of growth. I, I would imagine that that there's not one. All right, so, so you're making it more exciting. Do you have a third one for us, Daniel? Yeah, along the same lines with the uh, financial platform, online platform, uh, SoFi. Jeffrey's just came out with initiation yesterday. I've been watching this. It's been volatile as well. And they put a $25 price tag it, price target on, if I, uh, if I remember correctly, which is damn near 50% upside from current levels. Well, depending on what it's doing right now today. 
But again, you have a lot of money flowing into this space. It just makes sense from a standpoint. And hell, their their name is on that uh, beautiful new, however billion dollars it took to build that uh, football stadium out in California. Yeah, that, that 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 was definitely an expensive sponsorship. I guarantee that. <laughs> but yeah, I see. I see. I'm, I'm using my trusty Benzinga Pro here, looking at the recent analyst price targets. Uh, you know, I see the Jeffries yesterday that you mentioned at 25, Mizuho out there at 28. And then the, the low of the street credit Suisse came out about two weeks ago at 16 and a half. Um, and, and, and so, so basically is, is the thesis on this one, Daniel, it's, it's, it's right space, right stock within that space. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's more of a momentum play. Uh, I like the idea in general, but it's just, when you have massive amounts of money flowing into that and strong brand types, uh, those are great for trading opportunities and then they can turn into long-term holdings. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm zooming into a five-day chart right now. So, so what we're looking at, I believe, are five-minute candles. Let me get a confirm. Uh, Ten-minute candles, five-day chart, um, and and we we definitely see that rip higher with the market yesterday, uh, and intact down another two percent so far today. So, so and and let me throw this one out here, but I definitely see the symbol come up. If if anybody is long SoFi ticker S O F I, give me the one in the chat. If not, give me the two. I, I want to get a sense of where the crowd is at on this one. I, I'm not in SoFi, but I do own a couple of the online brokerages. Um, one that I'm getting hammered in right now. Uh, I've trimmed the position, but still have a little bit of a position in is Tiger, ticker T-I-G-R. Uh, it's like, like the Robin Hood of China, Singapore, etc. Um, wow, we have a lot of SoFi owners in the chat. Check this out. Okay. it's a lot of people who like SoFi. I can get behind that. All right. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. All right, Daniel, anything else for us before we got to hop? Yeah, if you want to have a fun uh, political pick, uh, Smith & Wesson Brands. Uh, They're a pure play on firearms. Give me a symbol on that one. SWBI. Thank you. You can can see where the uh, Reddit... You have to be impressed, though. That was the first... You're you're on stock number four, and I knew the first three, okay? All right, there you go. All right, SWBI, guys. So that massive spike there was after an earnings release. Uh, they've recently, uh, I think right around the first of this month, September, they did their quarterly earnings. But that massive spike there that what you can see on the chart is they blew out the numbers on the earnings release. And then it looks like the Reddit crowd got involved because look at that massive sky high. <laughs> I mean, that thing just went parabolic for several trading days. Uh, this is a pure play on firearms. I know that's a t- touchy subject politically, but when you look at the numbers, the FBI background checks and things are falling year over year because of the strong, strong comps that they're compared to during the riots and the 2020 and all that kind of thing. But 50% of new gun buyers are women. Um, everybody, I'm a small town guy. I grew up around firearms, so I'm biased as everybody else is, but I'm biased towards them. This is a company with no debt. They are in a position to continue raising their dividend. Uh, it's not impressive. It's not a high yielding thing, but they are buying back stock as well. And you have a solid company with an amazing brand name and you have a product that people are, um, you know, it's, they have a huge demand for their products right now. Their backlogs I, or their inventory is about at eight weeks, which is kind of where they want to management. They're going to have issues along with everybody else with supply chains. But when you get a great business and a fantastic financial shape and a well-known brand, um, that's, that's a good one right there. So, and it's got a decent short interest. So that, that spike that you see on the uh, chart, that could easily happen again. All right. I like it. 
It's interesting. I, I've uh, let, let me throw this at you, at you Daniel, and then we're going to have to hop in a minute here. Okay. But, but here, here's my take on the gun stocks is, is I feel like literally always or at least give me once a year for the last 10 years, there's like a shortage. And like there just becomes this narrative all of a sudden that there's a shortage on guns or there's a shortage on ammunition. And, and then the, just a ton of energy pops into these stocks. And you know what I mean? It's it, it just seems like uh, like I don't know. Like I'm sick. I'm bored of the narrative, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. I mean, and you're right. That does happen. I will tell you the biggest risk I see this is and why I think you have some short interest is you have such a political movement and like your major funds uh, and investment companies like BlackRock and those they have they kind of shun these kind of stocks. So you have a great business, you have high profit margins, but what's going to keep the big guys from flowing more money into these stocks is political reasons. That's your biggest risk in my opinion. But yeah, you're right. They, they get hot. They could be used as tradable uh, securities. So that would work out for your listeners, but I, I wouldn't feel bad about buying and holding this either. But yeah, if you want to trade the pops and uh, you know, sell on the rips and buy on the dips, that's a great idea. Awesome. All righty, Daniel, I appreciate you hopping on with us. How can folks stay in touch? Where should they go? What should they check out? Et cetera. Yeah, uh, my email is daniel at curziaresearch.com. Be sure to check out curziaresearch.com and uh, our Wall Street Unplugged podcast that uh, we now do over Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays every single week. Boom. All righty, there it is. Thank you for joining us, sir, and dropping the ideas. Thank you. All right, all right, guys. How was that? I see recurring theme in the chat. Talk about Viacom. We will get the Viacom sticker, V-I-A-C. But without further ado... We, we, we're we're going to keep the show rolling. Uh, we, we've got a, a, a nice slate of guests coming in for us today. Uh, first up, CEO of Statero Biopharma, Mike Handley. I'm going to go ahead and let's bring Mike onto the stream. How are you doing today, sir? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and, and everyone, the stock symbol is ticker S-T-A-B. So that's Sandy Tango Alpha Brava. Bravo. Ugh. Long week. Um, but, but, but Mike, I, I'm one for, for a good stock symbol. You know, if, 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 if it's a company has a good ticker symbol that like automatically notches it up in my book. So maybe we, we could just start there for a second. Uh, why stab? Yeah. Interesting question, Luke. Thanks uh, for having me again. Yeah. Stab is uh, Cetera Biopharma. Obviously, ticker symbols are a little hit and miss. Um, we were going for STAT, but uh, stab is memorable. Um, and it also uh, goes with our tagline, take a stab at stopping cancer. Right. So okay. we think it's more memorable than most taglines. And most Absolutely. Tickers, yeah. No, that's great. I, I love it. It's like some of the, the ETF funds, right? I, I've like right. reached out to them to I'm like, I don't know how you guys pick the ticker symbols, but if there's like a group or like, you know, something you survey, <laughs> include me in there. I haven't gotten any responses, but I, I, I love the memorable ticker symbol. Uh, I, I do too. It's, it's unique for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Mike, t- taking a step back from the ticker symbol to the company, uh, c- could you just give us a, l- a little bit of, of an overview on Satera for anybody out there who might not be aware? Yeah, Statera is a uh, company that just became public uh, July 27th through a combination merger with Cleveland Biolabs, which was a NASDAQ-listed company. I've been running uh, Statera since April of last year. Um, we uh, talked to Cleveland Biolabs, synergistic platforms. Uh, we're both looking at immunotherapies and uh, looked like a good combination of two companies. So we uh, 
combined the two companies officially July 27th or July 27th, yeah, and have been trading since then and uh, been working the circuits and uh, getting visibility for our pipeline. And we're about ready to initiate some late stage drug programs uh, that we're really excited about that should help patients and deliver some new immunotherapies to the field. Excellent. And, and Mike, you, 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 you mentioned, I think it was April 2020 that, 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 that you joined the company. Is that accurate or that you've been running it since? Yeah, I've been running it since April 2020. We've done two acquisitions, um, raised or secured over $100 million and gone public. So it's been a busy, what, 17 <laughs> months. Yeah. No, no kidding. So so, so uh, uh, the, the next question I have is on, is on background. And, and I, I sort of have two pieces of it. Um, and, and you can pick the answer one, one or both. Uh, but but either what what was the impetus for the company, or can you talk a little bit about your career prior prior to Statera? Yeah, yeah, I'll answer both. So I've been in pharma biotech for 24 years, uh, running companies for the last 15 years. Um, very interested in uh, the biotech space, the immunotherapy space. Started off at Amgen, Genentech, which are the two big giants in biotech. Of course, Genentech bought by Roche now, but Amgen's still uh, independent. Um, took over 17 products to market, um, you know, raised close to half a billion dollars and uh, ran into Statera, like I said, April last year. They have a very interesting portfolio and uh, thought um, this would be a great public company, a great opportunity to get some uh, drugs to some uh, much needed patients um, that don't have any other alternative therapies. Uh, so very excited about uh, our platform, multiple shots on goal. We got a great story. Um, it resonates well with the street from our interactions and our non-deal roadshow we've been doing. So we're very excited about our current position. Okay, and, and I'll, I'll pick up on that roadshow comment that you made. You know, when when, when you're going out to Wall Street and, and you're talking about the company, uh, you know, what what aspect of the business is is getting investors most interested? Yeah, great question. So if you follow the biotech sector, we've seen immunotherapies just explode over the past five years. And I'll use two examples. Humira, um, which is a TNF alpha blocker, sells about $19 billion a year. It's number uh, one uh, drug selling in the U.S. and I think the world. And then you look at Keytruda, Merck's drug is a PD-1, pdl one inhibitor. It sells at $13 billion. It's also an immunotherapy. Um, our approach to immunotherapies is a little bit different than what Big Pharma is doing. Those particular drugs suppress the immune system, uh, as in Humira, and they do that um, to account for um, uh, Crohn's disease, IBD, rheumatoid arthritis, and then the cancer drugs take the breaks off the immune system. So in effect, our narrative to Wall Street is the current immune therapies out there are great, and they're generating a lot of cash flow, and they're helping patients, but they also come with a large amount of side effects because you're suppressing the immune system. Um, in the one case with the Humira and other TNF-alpha blockers, and the other cancer cases, you're increasing the, the probability of hyperinflammation in those patients. And that's been a cause and a concern and a warning for Keytruda. Both great drugs, uh, both help patients, but we think there's a better way of doing immunotherapies. And that's what we're telling the street, and uh, they're gravitating towards it. Okay. And, and can you talk to us a little bit about ImQuest and, and specifically the integration status? Yeah, MQuest was the second company we acquired. Um, they're a uh, research-driven company with uh, cash flows, and uh, we're in the process right now of uh, integrating them into our R&D platform 
and they're working on our second gen uh, immunotherapies. And we've got a couple of uh, potential interesting candidates we're working through. But the inquest simply adds to our pipeline. And uh, we're building, I think, one of the more interesting and largest tool like receptor pipelines um, in the US, if not the world. And that provides us with, again, a lot of shots on goal and a lot of ways to help patients. Okay. And, 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 and I guess may, maybe take, taking a, a step back or, or a step higher than, than, than MQuest specifically, uh, but, but how do you see M&A fitting into the company's roadmap and, and why have you made a, the choice that, hey, that, that's a route that we're going to pursue to really grow this thing? Yeah, I'm a firm believer that uh, buy than build, right? Okay. Um, uh, there's a lot of companies out there that have interesting technologies or platforms um, that would take me, you know, months to years to uh, replicate the same thing at a, and a much higher dilution to our shareholders. So um, being opportunistic, looking at companies with assets that uh, are complementary or technologies that are complementary, um, we'll definitely use our, our public uh, stock as currency. And like I said, we're well capitalized and we'll be opportunistic about what we go out and acquire. But it's definitely in the mold of our strategy going forward is uh, look at M&A and uh, be opportunistic about uh, increasing our pipeline, both depth and breadth. Okay. And, and, and Mike, let, let, let me ask you one more question. And this one is always a tough one. Uh, but but if you had to name one one thing that that you're most excited about so, somewhere on the roadmap, what what would that one item be? Yeah, great question. Everybody asked me. Um, obviously, cancer therapies are near and dear to everybody's heart. Everybody knows a, a relative or a friend that has cancer. We've got some very good cancer therapies we're developing an adjunctive treatment. Um, but probably the drug program I'm most excited about is our Crohn's program. So what we've seen in phase two data is uh, double the rate of uh, remission in patients who take a once-a-day oral pill. The current standard of care, Humira, injectable biologic, um, you get a remission rate of in, the, in the low 30s. Um, our, our data, what we've seen is about a 67% remission rate, about 12 weeks, once a day dosing. Mm. That is very compelling. And then the other thing I'm really excited about Crohn's is currently for pediatric Crohn's patients, there's nothing out there that uh, works well. All of it is black box warning. And uh, as kids develop their immune system, it's really hard for them to be on these biologics like Humira, Stellar, and Remicade. So we're running a phase three pediatric study that should kick off by the end of the year um, in uh, pediatric Crohn's patients. And we believe this will be a viable alternative to all the kids out there suffering from Crohn's disease. Okay, excellent. Awesome. Mike, I appreciate you taking the time to come on with us today. CEO of Satera, uh, ticker S-T-A-B. And as I said, Mike, I do love that symbol and I, I love the, the, the memorability of it, if, if that's even a word, taking a stab at cancer. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for your time. Have a good day. Absolutely. You as well. All right. All right, producer AB, what do you think of that one? Love it. Love the company. Love the ticker. Great to have Mike on. Um, but Luke, we have an absolutely packed power hour show today. We brought on Daniel from Wall Street Unplugged. We brought on Mike from Satera Bio. Now it is time to bring on Sean C. Sean Folkson, CEO of Night Food. Um, so without further ado. Wait, 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 wait. Producer AB. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Celsius is a hundred bucks. No way. Wait, did we ever get the video of Jonah shock? He said he, he said he was going to shock. Yeah, he, did it. he did it. He did it. Sleeping. You're sleeping on Celsius. Sorry. Um, yeah. And, and you also saw the news that Jonah said, uh, Celsius is sending us some, some drinks to Florida for the conference. Yeah, guys, if, if you want to come hang out with me and producer AB and, and Jonah Lupton, put the link in the chat. Come say hi. It, it's going to be a blast. It's really the only thing that's keeping me going at this point. So there you go. It will be a good time. Yeah. Um, all right, Luke. Well, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Sean Folkson on the show. Sean, CEO of Night Food, thank you for joining us on the Benzinga Power Hour. How are you doing on this beautiful Thursday? Great. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Great to have you. Um, before we get started, do you mind just giving some uh, background on the company for maybe some of our audience that may not be familiar? Sure. So across the country, on any given night, you've got over 100 million people that are snacking between dinner and bed. Uh, the most popular choices tend to be things that are loaded with excess fat, excess sugar, excess calories, because that's what we're hardwired to crave. So you've got all these snacks being consumed, and they're not only unhealthy, but they're actually disruptive to sleep. When you eat the wrong things before bed, it can impair your sleep quality. So knowing that so many people are snacking at night on a regular basis, what night food does is we deliver healthier snack options that are specifically formulated to satisfy those nighttime cravings, but do it in a better, healthier, and more sleep-friendly way. There's plenty of companies out there over the last 10 or 15 years that have launched and had a lot of success with better-for-you snacks, which are generally healthier in terms of you know, protein content or sugar content or caloric uh, content. But only night food has looked at knowing that people are snacking within that hour or two before bed. What should we be putting in our bodies and what shouldn't we be putting in our bodies to make sure that we get the best night of sleep? And sleep is becoming more and more of a challenge for a lot of people, uh, especially now with COVID. So we think the timing is great. And we think there's a billion dollar category to be had here in the category of nighttime snacking. So is this something, I guess, that took a lot of, you know, scientific research on, on night foods and to figure out like what it is specifically about, um, you know, what's in typical ice cream that can disrupt someone's sleep? Well, I mean, there's been a general consensus for quite some time, and there's been a lot of research over the years. Uh, you know, excess sugar, uh, fat, and calories are problematic. Um, you know, there are certain nutrients that can be beneficial, magnesium, calcium, zinc, vitamin B6. Uh, so the research really existed. Uh, and when we launched, our, our challenge was really, you know, to formulate a great tasting product uh, with all these ingredients that can satisfy those cravings in that way. So uh, really, we stood on the shoulders of the existing research, which was out there. And it's really interesting because with so much snacking already happening at night, see, this is, this is not a behavior that's, uh, it's not a trend. 
It's not a fad. This is how humans are wired. We're wired to crave these things at night. So it's not going away. So there, there was a lot of talk and a lot of research before we launched, but nobody had ever launched a product into the category, which we thought was really interesting. Now we've got Nestle, we've got Unilever, we've got Pepsi. They're all talking publicly about this category, um, but, but we're the only ones operating in it. And so it, the challenge for us was not really to figure out what our snacks should be. And ice cream is the first, you know, what they should contain. It's more about really educating the public. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like, I don't know if it's fair to say, but you're kind of, um, you know, hacking the the human like hardwiring of wanting to uh, crave these things. But and then we, you can eat these things, but and it, and it tastes like what we're craving, but it doesn't have those kind of detrimental um, effects on sleep. Is that fair? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the, the reason we crave these types of things at night is because putting extra fuel inside your tank before fasting is a survival mechanism that really served well, you know, the caveman ancestors. Uh, you know, if, if they didn't have the resources, if they didn't store excess fuel inside their body in the form of calories, they were less likely to survive. And specifically before the nighttime fast, that's when those cravings, that's why appetite peaks at night. Um, so yeah, what we're trying to do is, um, make sure that, that when you do give into those cravings and most people do that you're doing it in a way that's beneficial and not detrimental. Got it. Um, so real quick on the business side, um, I, I understand, uh, you know, you guys do a lot of, I'm on the website right now, a lot of direct to consumer. Um, I see, you know, shipping is only six ninety five for an eight, eight pint order, Yep. Um, but what about on the B2B side, on the business to business side, uh, you know, where does night food stand as far as with partnerships with, uh, you know, places like hotels and, and chains like that? Yeah. So so from a retail distribution perspective, we're in divisions of Albertsons. We're in uh, almost a thousand Walmart stores across the country and other supermarkets. And we're expecting to add quite a few more supermarket chains uh, in the spring you know, those meetings are going on right now and things are being finalized. But the real catalyst and what's going to be happening in the next few weeks uh, and months is the hotel launch. So we were making a big push into hotels prior to COVID. And then obviously COVID slowed things down quite a bit. But uh, in the hotel environment, you know, everybody's been in the supermarket and you see there's there's six or eight doors of ice cream. There could literally be hundreds and hundreds of different varieties, different SKUs in there. In the hotel environment, you've got a consumer that's typically purchasing for more immediate consumption. Our packaging, as you can see there, says sleep friendly right on the front. We sell very well in the hotel environment. In the past, we've sold pint for pint with Ben & Jerry's, pint for pint with Haagen-Dazs. And we got contacted uh, late last year. One of the leading global hotel brands just conducted and completed uh, a test of night food in several of their hotels and the test went very well. And what that's going to lead to is a national rollout of the ice cream. And what we believe also could be the ability to very quickly introduce additional product formats into that hotel environment. So uh, the product sells very well there. It's a great opportunity to capture high margin business. It's much more profitable than the supermarkets, but it's also really supportive of the supermarket distribution. Uh, we've seen... Um, We've seen RX Bar get into gyms and use that gym distribution to support their supermarket rollout. And then they sold to Kellogg's for $600 million a couple of years ago. Oatly also, which just IPO'd a few months ago, they very publicly stated 
their strategy is to roll into coffee shops. They've got to deal with Starbucks. Consumers will interface with the brand in that environment, and that will build trust, build awareness, and then the consumers run into the supermarket and start buying the product. So we think the hotel piece, obviously, it's going to be great revenue uh, contribution, great profit contribution, uh, but also really, really supportive of our supermarket expansions. Yeah, that, that's good insight there as to how you can kind of raise brand awareness through some of these uh, B2B deals and, and that way, um, you know, bolster the, the B2C sales as well. Um, so, so you mentioned some other of the big ice cream players out there. Uh, do you see night food as a potential like takeover target down the line? I, I do. I think it's, I think it's going to be inevitable. I think we're going to force their hand. You know, uh, when you think about it, Nestle and Unilever are the two largest out there and they've both publicly expressed interest in this category. And, you know, especially being in the hotel vertical, uh, it, it's really going to cement us as, as the category King and the category leader you know, we've seen five hour energy still sells over well over 80 percent of the energy shots in the country. And, you know, every everybody in the energy drink business just about has launched a shot and five hour energy just just swats them away. And I think, you know, if we play our cards right, the, the same thing will happen in the nighttime nutrition space. And specifically being in the hotels makes it really hard for somebody to come in and try to outflank us. It's, it's a lot easier to do if, if you're relying strictly on supermarket distribution. There's a lot more opportunity for the big players to come in and try to push us around. But in that hotel space, I think it's really going to insulate us quite a bit. Um, it's also going to really accelerate um, our growth curve so that by the time anybody decides they want to get in, we're going to be running out with you know really tremendous revenue growth as we scale into the hotels. And you know even if the first company decides they're going to try to launch against us, then what is the second company going to do? Are they going to play for third place or are they going to try to acquire uh, the category pioneer? So um, I do think it's inevitable. Uh, you know, we've got some revenue targets that, you know, when we hit those, everybody's going to have to decide how are they going to handle. One thing I didn't mention, almost half of all snacking takes place at night. This is not a small niche. This is not five or 10%. This is almost half of all snacking. And it's not just Unilever and Nestle. Everybody knows about this. Mondelez and Kellogg's and Hershey's. Any company that's in the snack space, they know when the Oreos and the Doritos and the Ben and Jerry's are being eaten. And once we show that consumers are wanting and willing to make a small change in order to support better quality sleep, right, which is an easy jump for any consumer to make. Once these big companies realize that, then they know that the whole landscape of the snack category is going to change. You're talking about almost half of all snacking up for grabs when all these cookies, chips, candy, and ice cream are being consumed between dinner and bed. I don't think they're going to be able to lay off. I think we're going to be fielding. I mean, we've already been contacted by some of the companies, um, at least one of them that I mentioned on this call already. Um, I, I think the phone's going to start ringing once we start to really scale our revenues coming up soon here. Got it. Yeah, that's exciting. I guess uh, you know a follow-up question on that would be, how would you, uh, you know, quote unquote, you know, force their hands, as you said, you know, like what's to stop, you know, Unilever, or, you know, uh, Ben and Jerry's, whoever it is from going out and trying to develop their own sleep friendly ice cream? They, they could certainly do that. It's really not the way things are done. I mean, there was nothing stopping Kellogg's from making their own, you know, cleaner label bar. Uh, there was nothing stopping Hormel, which already owned Skippy peanut butter from making their own organic brand. But no, they acquired Justin's. Um, and, and up and down the line, 
you know, uh, it's just not the way things are done these days for them to try to launch against us. When they see a category pioneering brand growing at, at you know, exponential growth in a category where there's obviously going to be one king and lead player, acquisition is the only way to go. Um, everybody else is going to be competing for second place, and they all know that. Got it. Um, all right, Sean, well, thank you so much for joining us on the Power Hour. Uh, my final question thought would be, have, have you ever thought about doing a 180 and maybe making a, a caffeinated ice cream for breakfast? <laughs> no, no, I've never heard about the uh, people have said we should make day food as well as night food. But, you know, you, you look at the NyQuil analogy. Right. And yes, they, they do make DayQuil now. But but by 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 commanding a specific day part, Luna Bar is another great example. When Cliff made Luna Bar as a protein bar for women, people said, hey, you know, you're, you're eliminating a portion of your audience. And the same thing with NyQuil uh, back in, in the mid to late 60s when they launched. But there's a lot of power in that kind of focus. And by being the, the company about nighttime snacking, when almost half of all snacking takes place at night, there, there's power in there. We don't feel that it's limiting at all. We feel that it's laser focused and, and it's not only going to be, uh, be more powerful in terms of our ability to grow, but it's going to present a more powerful uh, value proposition to uh, investors, whether that's our, our day-to-day shareholders or ultimately other uh, conglomerates that might choose to enter the space through acquisition of night food. Got it. Well, uh, Sean, thank you again for coming on the show today. I I look forward to having you on again. Anytime Night Food has some exciting updates or news, we'd love to have you back on to kind of, you know, bring that news to our audience. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. I know you mentioned Celsius hitting 100. You know, I've been studying Celsius. Um, You know, the the chart is amazing. And you see there was years, you know, they were cranking away and the stock didn't move. And now they're really getting rewarded in the marketplace. So congratulations to John and the whole Celsius team as well. Yeah, of course. You 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 mentioned the chart. Do you uh, trade stocks on your own? I don't, but I I, I do field a lot of questions from investors, <laughs> and and certainly you know I'm I'm studying Celsius to see okay you know what what was going on during those years where 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 it wasn't moving you know what changed and and it's a really uh, really amazing thing to look at. But no, I only do it because because I'm asked. My 100 percent of my net worth is in night food. And uh, my, my wife and I are okay with that and my kids, and we're very excited about the future. There you go. Who knew, Who needs diversification? All right, Sean, <laughs> thank you for joining us. We'll, 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 be, in t- we'll be in touch. We'll, we'll have you on again soon. Hey, thanks so much, guys. All right. Of course. AB, a- a- I, was, I was late for that, um, but uh, I, 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 what I wanted to say, and it was also in the chat, which was uh, someone who, who said this in the chat. They have very cool labeling. I feel like a a, a jabroni because I, I everyone always like whenever you take like a marketing course they always say oh labeling and packaging is so important and I think oh that doesn't work on me and then here I am I'm like oh yeah they got I they had a cool label I, I might it's, it's because all that stuff that works is done on the subconscious level so you're ah. not actually. Um, you know, consciously saying, oh, I'm going to buy this because it's got better packaging, but yeah. you subconsciously do. Also, um, also, did you or did you not? I, I may have missed it, so I apologize. Did you ask for, for free samples? No, I forgot to do that. I don't know if Sean can still hear us, but if you can. He can. I, he can. I, that's why I asked. Email. email I'll, I'll send you our address and we will gladly take some free samples. <laughs> um, yeah, Spencer, the only question you caught was mine about the, the morning ice cream, which Hey, if they're not going to do it, that might be a whole whole new market out there. 
can they can they sh- i don't know if you can ship ice cream in the mail whatever whatever you, you, you can you missed it on the on the website eight eight right. you buy eight pints it's only six dollars and 95 cents it's I'm a great sorry. deal i was preparing i was preparing for uh, our healthcare conference next next week so i apologize for but i'm here now i'm here for our, our next our next guest which i'm excited for uh ab who do we got um, we have Todd Lackman, who is the Sovo CEO. It's very exciting. The company is IPOing today, um, and and we are getting fresh new public companies on the Benzinga Power Hour. Nowhere else can you go on YouTube to find content like this. So smash the like and subscribe if you haven't already. Spencer, without further ado, let's bring bring Todd on the show. There he is. Hey guys, how you doing? Great to uh, great to be with you today. Yeah, Todd, I'm sure you're very busy today with Sovos IPO in. Um, are you joining us live from, from New York? I am joining you live from New York uh, at the uh, NASDAQ Tower right here. Wow. How, how's the day going so far? Busy, but great. Uh, honestly, guys, it's, uh, I mean, what an exciting day, you know, for, uh, for Sovos brands. We're thrilled. Uh, yeah, we're just, uh, you know, thrilled for the journey ahead. It's like to uh, tell you more about it today. So, Maybe let's just start with what 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 the company is, and then I'll I'll get to my 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 real questions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, throughout I've been in the industry for a while. So throughout my thirty plus year time in in CPG, I was you know across brands, categories, companies, geographies. I was always struck by the fact you know the, you got these smaller on trend brands growing at the expense of the largest brands in the store. Some people call them challenger brands, disruptor brands. At Sovos, we call them one-of-a-kind brands. But I, I felt that there's an opportunity to create a company specifically suited in order to uh, have the talent, the culture, the capabilities, the infrastructure to build a portfolio of these one-of-a-kind brands. I mean, we, we look specifically for brands that have taste superiority, strong consumer affinity, high-quality ingredients with a cleaner label, and authenticity at their core. And that's what we have with Rayos, Michelangelo's, Noosa, Birchbenders, fastest growing food company in the US, uh, outperforming our categories by 25 percentage points. And the journey's just begun. Okay, since we were just talking about it, uh, and I didn't get to ask our last guest, I'll ask you, Todd, uh, just about packaging and, and, and labeling and branding and and just how important, on a scale like one to 10, how important is that for you? But they, on a scale of one to 10, look, it's, uh, I don't know if it's, a, it's, you know, it's really important. Um, I don't know. Let's say it's a, like, let's, let's say it's a, 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 you know, a seven, eight, you know, okay. depending on kind of what you're talking about. But I, what's, what's interesting, I think it's more important uh, for brands like ours that are premium priced, high quality, the difference, it's so different what's in the jar that you know that is the most differentiating aspect for us the package is critical but what's doubly critical let's take a brand like reyes you've got whole italian peeled tomatoes fresh basil fresh onions olive oil inside that jar slow simmered and cooked in open kettles and you've got the market leaders with paste and added sugar and added water and canola oil so just to kind of highlight the difference in our products versus the difference of uh, you know of what's there. So with 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 us, the reason we're able to command the premium price. I mean, Rayos is three times the price of the market leader. Rayos is growing at forty two percent. We're almost the number two brand in the category, and the market leaders are flat to declining. So what's in that package is really the magic that's uh, delighting consumers at home. So is it mostly you know brands under the Sovos umbrella? Are they mostly 
um, you know, healthier alternatives, organics, um, or, or is that just happens to be the case with uh, Rayo? No, sure. No, all our brands, we look for brands with high quality ingredients and cleaner label. Let's say Birch Benders has an organic offering, uh, high quality ingredients, because uh, uh, basically almond flowers, tiger nuts, uh, you know, all sorts of high quality ingredients in those products. We have organic, we have a keto and paleo offering, keto and paleo, Birch Benders pancake waffle mix, two of the fastest spinning items. Then you got a brand like Noosa, whole milk, real fruit, North American wildflower honey with a proprietary process. I mean, Noosa is a great example, guys, that, you know, we're, the, the category is going one way. How much taste can we take out of the container? We're looking to see how much taste we can put into the product. And that's why consumers are flocking to Noosa and it's it's growing well, well ahead of the category. Very differentiated. So, Oh, go ahead, Spencer. Go ahead, AB. Go ahead. <laughs> have you, or or maybe down the line, have you guys ever sold like individual brands to maybe market leaders? We we have acquired. We've averaged about four acquisitions a year. We have not divested an asset. We have you know no plans to. We're building a portfolio of one of a kind brands, and quite honestly, we have uh, you know plans to acquire more brands in the future. Uh, why you mentioned the, the term CPG consumer package goods, why would a consumer package goods company IPO right now? Why IPO right now? Sure. Well, I, you know, I think just speaking for Sobos brands or of the size, you know, the scale, the profitability level that it's appropriate for us. We've been, uh, you know, we were founded four and a half years ago. We're, uh, $669 million of sales growing at 31%. We're profitable. This is not a story where I'm saying, Hey guys, I'll, I'll be back on in five years when I am profitable. <laughs> We've been profitable from uh, from day one, and uh, you know, so I think at this level, and then it, it look at it, it provides us with uh, with the balance sheet and the infrastructure, and you know, the sort of widen the aperture to whether it's talent acquisition, future M and A. It's just it's per- the perfect time, honestly, for uh, for Sovos to become a public company. Uh, gotta ask you about the you know <laughs> elephant in the room, which is just. Um, uh, <laughs> the impact that that covid the pandemic has had on on everything right uh whether it's supply chains whether it's labor costs uh whatever however you want to answer this question and take it but like what what is the impact that the last year and a half has had on on your business sure so look i mean i i think there's a few things that uh if you just think from a brand perspective we have brands that have the taste superior brands that have strong consumer affinity with the type of ingredients that we have. They have a higher propensity to stick in a household after trial than highly substitutable Me Too mainstream brands. So we have gained the amount of trial that we've gained over the past 18 months has been prolific just during this this horrible pandemic. And if you look at a brand like Rayo's, our penetration is double from 5% to 9.6%. Uh, that's why the brand is growing at 42% last 52 weeks versus, you know, the category, you know, flat. So, uh, you know, what we've seen is we're gaining trial of our, you know, of our premium brands and they're sticking in the, in the household clearly from a supply chain standpoint, uh, you know, just like everybody, we've had to be really nimble and tenacious in keeping our products in supply. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing we're in a, year as difficult as it was in 2020 and a company of our size we got vendor of the year at target and supplier of the year at whole foods oh wow because you know one of our core guiding principles is obsessed with the front line you know we're 
The more time we can be focusing on our retailers, on the consumers, on our frontline heroes that come to work every day to make our delicious products. Uh, I mean, that was a real uh, a testament to the fact that, you know, our, our phenomenal employees are working so hard to keep our, our customers in service. So, Todd, I, I don't know if, if you have kids, but it's oftentimes <laughs> hard to uh, to pick a favorite kid. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to do it here out of the four brands uh, currently right now under Sovos, which, which one is your favorite or maybe what's the most popular in your own household? Yeah, that's I do. I do have three kids and we always joke about which child is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not going to ask you that question. Yeah, I'll ask you. No, no, I know. Maybe Kyle, Paul and Isabella are listening today, so I won't, I won't, choose <laughs> but uh, you know, I apologize. I'm going to tell you right now that I've got four outstanding children in the Sobos <laughs> portfolio with right. Rayos, with Noosa, with Birch Benders. Uh, look, you got a brand like Rayos that's changing the sauce category forever in regards to whole tomato sauce. You have Noosa, which is a category in and of itself. It tastes taste like yogurt. And then we couldn't be more excited that we just added Birch Benders to the, uh, to the portfolio, the fastest growing frozen waffle ba- uh, brand. We just launched it into the baking mix aisle with some keto offerings. So uh, four, four great children in the, uh, in the Sovos portfolio. That's great. Got it. No favorites. Todd, is there a product category you're not in, but you very much want to be in right now? So great. So I'd say number one, we we're in about seven categories. Now we really like the categories that we're in today. I would say I'm not going to choose a category, but I would say that there are categories adjacent to ours or close to adjacent to ours that we also really like. We, There are other sleepy categories that are in need of disruption or are being disrupted today by other brands that we would love at some time to add to the Sovos portfolio. So, you know, as some companies are sort of attracted to the category du jour that, wow, this is like the place I've got to be. I'm not going to name that area, but there's some of those. We're, you know, we're sort of looking in a different direction of those categories that that, that are ripe for disruption. I'll tell you a category that we entered with Rayos was soup. Everything is in a can. Oh, Why true. can't the consumer get soup that's not in a can? Well, until Rayos came in with glass jar soup, absolutely delicious meal in a jar, consumers couldn't get soup in a, in a jar. And now they can see that great delicious soup. And it's the now the number five soup brand in only 18 months. Uh, last one for me. You mentioned you're in uh, uh, Target, you're in Whole Foods. I assume you're nationwide if you're in both those locations. Yep. Have you considered direct to consumer model at all? Sure. So we uh, we're partnering well with our customers, whether it's Click or Collect on, the, on their retailer e-commerce okay. you know, programs. We do sell an example of what we do sell direct today. If you go on Rayos.com, we have great gifting baskets. We have some super premium Rayos Limited Reserve products. So aged balsamic, white truffle marinara. So we do sell uh, direct some uh, some super premium, super super premium products on the uh, on the on the Rayo site today, as as well as okay. as well as Birch Bender. So um, we do have some experience and uh, in that area, but not not for the, the the main the main products. The main products are only in stores right now. Uh, the majority, yes, the majority. Okay, cool. All right, I, I think we covered it. It's one o'clock. We don't want to take up too much of your time. It's been a busy day. We've we, we've been on with Todd Lockman, the CEO of Silvos Brands. Ticker S O V O I P O, like uh, an hour ago, actually. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Todd, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your day to to hop on with us today. Hey, so wait, Todd, you. do you get to ring the bell today? Yeah, we do. We do. Awesome. We're excited. We'll, All right, we'll be watching. Have we'll a be couple. watching. Hey, great to meet you both. All right, you as well.
Uh, that was fun, Spencer. I'm I'm hungry, man. As I know, we went straight from ice cream to more <laughs> delicious food. It's like, what are we what are we doing right at lunchtime too? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm hungry. It's one o'clock. Let's go eat, everyone. Uh, grab some food and come back to uh, get technical, which is starting live right now. Ab, I think. Uh, can we get? Uh, I think I think we'll get Neil going. And if you haven't already, guys, drop us a like. How many likes are we at? Let's find out. Not enough. Not enough. I'll tell you that much. We're at. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're at fifty-two. Fifty-two. Oh, guys, come on! Four interviews today. Three public company execs. One IPO and a partridge in a pear tree. We did it all for you today. So at least get us to a hundred, and uh, that that that'll be that'll be that. All right, Spence, I'm going to hop out and get Neil started. Right. I will see you when I see you. Okay, AB, we'll see you over on Get Technical. The stream will end, and it will redirect you automatically to Get Technical. That's how we do things here on Benzinga. Any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, shows at Benzinga.com. Email us. Check out BenzingaEvents.com to see all of our future events from our, our healthcare conference next week to cannabis next month to uh, – everything all right that's a wrap for me here hit the like i'll see you guys over on getting technical with uh wacky neil hamilton Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.